Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, grow you as a disciple, and help you serve His purpose. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Hey, we've been doing a series on freedom. It's been really, really good. If you missed the first three weeks, you can listen to them as a podcast, and you can also watch them on YouTube. Um, And uh, with each of the three, we've had like this team thing where somebody has got up and told a little bit of their personal story. You know, in Christianese, we call it a testimony. We've we've had like one of those to go with each um, message each sermon. And it's, that's been really good because do you know that verse that says they overcame him with the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony? So I, I actually think that testimonies are powerful and sometimes just as powerful as the sermon. I know. Did I say that? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And I meant it. Um, I, the number of times that I've preached and then you know, chatting to people afterwards, and, they, and I say, what would you get out of the, the message today? And they start explaining it to me, and I go, that's really great. And inside my head, I'm thinking, that wasn't even me, I didn't save that. That was the person giving the testimony. But as long as God's blessing you, good. <laughs> through whichever mechanism, through whichever of the people who are serving him, it's all good. So we're going to do the same thing today. We're going to start with one of our, person from our church and a person from our team, telling a little bit of their story, and every time someone does it, they're a little bit vulnerable, it's really brave, I'm really proud of them, so we're going to hear from Kate today, so would you make her feel welcome? Thank you, Stu. The fear of others' opinions has been a significant obstacle I've had to confront in my personal journey towards freedom. Throughout the Freedom Course, a pivotal week was dedicated to exploring the profound influence of words spoken over our lives. This particular model struck a chord with me, as I hadn't previously grasped the immense impact that not only the words of others, but also my own words could have on my life. It became evident that these words were trapping me in fear and holding me back from using my voice as God had intended me to. I'd always been afraid to speak, shying away from opportunities to share my thoughts. I felt that people would only ever judge me if I spoke, and I did so much judging of myself that I didn't want to give anyone else the chance. However, God had greater plans for me, plans to use my voice to convey his message, to bring encouragement, and to build into people and situations. To fulfill my purpose, I had to confront my fear of the opinion of of others, my fear of man. By breaking off these negative words and embracing God's grace and truth, I've taken significant steps towards freedom in this area. This journey remains ongoing, a path I continue to walk with God. The transformation that God has already instigated is undeniable. While the fear of speaking in front of others or sharing my thoughts with others still hangs over me, I now know with God's support, I can overcome it. He gives me the courage to seize opportunities even when there's a part of me that wants to escape. Now I get to speak life and encouragement into others and bring God-given ideas and be part of building the church with my voice. As I lead in youth team, as I lead in our Monday young adult group, and as I serve on staff team. And I can now see the immense impact that my words can have for good. I'm still discovering and accepting how God wants to use my voice. More importantly, I'm building a deeper reverence for God and his ways. 
and the faith to believe that wherever God calls me, he will be there with me. He guides me with the right words, provides the necessary courage, and assures me that, with his presence, I can speak without fearing the world's judgment. The key realization is that, even when the fear of others' opinions resurfaces, God's opinion is so much bigger than my fear. Thank you. Told you. What a legend. Uh, Acts 28 verse 19 says, He proclaimed the kingdom and taught about Jesus with boldness and without hindrance. Boldness, I looked it up, is parousias in the Greek, and it means freedom of speech. So I want to call today's message freedom of speech. That word without hindrance is actually all one word, unhinderedly is akalitos in Greek, and it's also legal jargon, and it's used in legal matters, and it means to speak freely because nobody puts a gag on you. You know how it's illegal to put a gag on the press, the media? Well, it's like that. So I guess I want to start by asking you this question, who or what has shut you down? Are you allowed to have an opinion? Is it okay for you to speak, to speak up and say, well, I think this? Because if not, you're contained, you're limited, and that's not freedom. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. He set us free to be free indeed. And Proverbs 28.1 says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. So when I was reading that, I was thinking, well, what are lions like? kind of just walk up and I can do whatever I want. If I come across something else, I'm more powerful than that, whatever that is. So I'm good. I'm like, well, if that's not typical of my life, that kind of confidence and boldness, then where is it supposed to come from? Answer, it comes from our righteousness. It says the righteous are as bold as a lion. What is righteousness, you ask? And I say, thank you for asking. I was hoping someone would. Um, Righteousness is accepting that you're all good with God. You've been forgiven. You've been washed clean. He's chosen to forget about it as well as forgive you. He's chosen to forget about it. So it's like you're like a brand new innocent person all over again. That's righteousness. You stand right before God and you can be confident about that. Not you didn't earn it, not because you what you what you did, but that's the truth. That's how things are. That's righteousness. So accepting that and going, well, not only that, but also God has chosen to come and live in me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. So If that's true, then you can be like a lion walking up to any situation and anything knowing, well, whatever it is, however scary it seems, the greater one lives in me. So I'm good. It's going to be okay. That's when the righteous are as bold as a lion. That's what it looks like. When Pastor Greg visited with us a couple of weeks ago, he said he's pretty much happy to say anything in front of anyone. And I looked around the room and thought, yeah, but nobody can relate. <laughs> like, most of us worry a lot about what other people are going to think when we speak, right? Like Kate was sharing. Um, 
we worry about it in advance when we're deciding what we're going to say or do. And then we worry about it after it's too late because it's already out there and we've already done it or we've already said it. Do people think I'm an idiot? Do people think I don't know what I'm talking about? People probably think I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it's just me. <laughs> um, we're going to do a wisdom series at some point. Maybe I'll get to correct it then. So obviously I'm not talking about just blurting out every brain fart you have. I'm just, you know, that'll be in the wisdom series. We'll cover that. But I'm just trying to correct and imbalance the other way and encourage you to speak up, right? So we'll get there. But at its extreme, if you're locked up and you dare not speak because you're so concerned about what your boss might think, what your partner might think, what your colleagues might think, what your neighbor might think, what your friend might think, then you have a hindrance and it's called the fear of man. When I was 19, I worked for a guy who took us away for, took the staff away for a few days of sales training interstate. We stayed in a motel and he got quite drunk one night. He, I forgot to mention he not only managed the store that I worked in, but he was also a member of our church, he and his wife and their kids. And um, he pulled up at the motel and told me when he was quite drunk that um, he had arranged a prostitute to come to our motel that night. And I said, well, you know what, I'm going to wait in the car. You went until you finished. And then he's, he really turned it on, tried to intimidate me, tried to pressure me, tried to bully me basically into, I'll get you one too, and tried to, you know, make me go in with him. I don't know if that would make him feel a bit better about if you, you know, have a partner in crime. Maybe that takes a bit of the sting away or something. Anyway, I said, no, nah, I'm not doing it. So I stayed in the car all night, fighting the mosquitoes, not getting a wink of sleep, and going to my sales training the next day without having slept. <clears throat> when we got back and I was trying to work in that same business with him, I was completely intimidated. Uh, I would just check how exactly how he wanted things done and I would just do them that way. And when, I, when there was any kind of miscommunication or misunderstanding, I would go back and double clarify every little detail and I would just follow exactly the way he wanted things done like a robot. Ain't no freedom there. I couldn't even have an opinion. The day that I stopped working for that man was a happy day and a liberating day. When I worked in another job, my boss was doing dodgy deals and doing, uh, taking shortcuts in paperwork so that he wouldn't have to pay the full amount of tax he was supposed to. And I had only just got the job <laughs> and I really needed a job and you guys can't relate because unemployment is so damn low at the moment but it was really high at that time and it was really hard for me to find a job when unemployment was over 10% and uh, I just started getting an income back and I was really grateful about that but I thought my conscience won't let me, I'm going to have to walk. So I walked away from that job and because I feared the Lord, I walked away from that job and I didn't fear the man as much as I feared the Lord. But the Lord sorted me out and I had another job lickety split. So that all worked out quite well. Um, when I worked for my first Christian boss, uh, he ran a franchise and he, he had a store that was open seven days a week. And he said, so Stu, you're going to have to take your turn on the roster and work on Sundays just like everybody else when your turn comes around. And I said, well, I can't really do that because I'm committed to team at church on Sundays and that's a bit of a clash for me. You should understand, you go to my church. And he was like, no, nope. he was resolute, too bad, so sad. You've got to work your Sundays just like everybody else. 
So I was, you know, we just, we just continued to live in tension about that while I looked for another job because I would rather <laughs> have one lined up before I leave, unlike the last time. Um, and ironically, it was a franchise and I went to work for the other franchise right over the other side of town of the same chain managed by and owned by a different person who wasn't a believer <laughs> and never forced me to work a Sunday for the nine years that I worked for him. I'm like... What's wrong with you? You should get it. <laughs> anyway, you might be in a work situation like that. You might be in a marriage like that. You might be in a partnership like that. Um, you might be in a friendship like that. You might walk around everywhere, tiptoeing around, afraid to speak up, just in case someone makes fun of you or something. And if you are shut down like that, I really want to pray for you after the service is finished today. Because I believe it can get broken off your life and you can begin a big process of change from today forward. I had a senior pastor once, oh, let's get real, shall we? I had a senior pastor once tell me, you should go to Bible college. And to him, really, it was just like a flung out, like he wasn't really thinking anything through. He just said that to everybody. But I took it as a word from the Lord. I'm like, well, I really deeply respect you. You're a great man of God. He was the senior pastor of my church. So I went, okay, that's what I have to do. I didn't seek the Lord about it for myself. I just went, okay. And actually, ironically, fear of man made me make that stupid decision that I paid for financially for years after that. It was a great idea, great idea. If you want to do Bible college, great idea. Terrible timing for me in my life, in my context. And I shouldn't have done it. But I did. It's all history now. All water under the bridge. It was a long time ago. Fast forward a couple of decades and Louise and I got approached by our senior pastor at the time. And he wanted us to run a church. He wanted us to plant a, a congregation like a satellite church. And still be under his authority but congregational leaders. And we said, we will seek God. <laughs> and you know, if he speaks to us about it then it's bound to succeed. <laughs> but if he doesn't speak to us about it, we ain't doing it. And we went and prayed and fasted and did everything we knew how to like speak to us about it, God. And we got nothing but silence. So we went, sorry, that's a stop sign for us. So we did not proceed. Find somebody else. Um, better outcome, driven by the fear of God, not the fear of man. So, Sure, today we can break something spiritual in prayer and it will change straight away. Something will happen and it'll shift right now, today. But then you're going to have to walk out, well, how do, I, how do I be a different person from now on? And that's where the constant washing with the water of the Word of God comes into play. And I'd like to recommend to you Hebrews 4 for you to ponder and meditate on until it becomes your thing that you own on the inside of you. In Hebrews 4, it talks about us coming to God's throne to receive two things. The first one is mercy. We confess, we repent, God washes us 100% clean. He forgives us absolutely. He gives us mercy. He's predictable. Same. Same all the time. His mercies are new every morning, the Bible says. Every single day, there's fresh mercy for us. And he doesn't just forgive it. He chooses to forget about it. Like it never happened. Isn't that wild? 
every day. <laughs> Even if you do it again tomorrow. That's wild. That's crazy mercy. But the Bible says, and the Bible is true, that if we come to his throne, we can expect to receive it. Mercy. The second one is grace. And if you can't do life, grace is the petrol you need to do it, to do stuff you're incapable of. I don't have enough patience to work with my kids. Well, guess what? Grace means you can because God gifts you things that are outside your human ability, wisdom that you could never have dreamed up by yourself, a creative solution to, an, to a problem at, at work that you could never have come up with except God goes, bloink, and you go, hey, I've just had a great idea. And you take it to the meeting and everybody goes, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, you're great. And you think, well, <laughs> sure, but <laughs> I know a little secret. It wasn't just me. <laughs> that's grace. The power you need to get the stuff done. The power you need to follow his purpose. Everything you need in your toolkit to do what he's, to follow him. So mercy and grace. We come to his throne. The Bible says he's predictable. He's going to give you mercy. He's going to give you grace when you come. <clears throat> that attitude, what can man do to me? <laughs> you know, that we're more likely to have that attitude when we know we're good with God. We're sorted. We've received mercy and we've got grace. So whatever he's asking me to do, somehow I'm going to be able to do it. So he's going to give me the stuff I need. So what can man do to me? You know, what, if I speak up, someone could sack me. So what? My God, who owns the universe, will give me another job. I'm untouchable. Like, I'm, I'm good. That's the confidence, right? That's the boldness of a lion. Proverbs says that the fear of man is a snare. A snare is one of those things where you're walking through the woods and you get caught in a net that you can't get out of. A snare. Fear of man is a snare. You can't get yourself out of it. And this whole series has been about helping you to get free from things that hold you down or hold you back. And it's not just an idea in the Bible that strange Christians believe in either. Um, I did a little Google search while I was preparing my message and I went on to medium.com. I know, it's wild, isn't it? Stuff that's been truth, truth that's been recorded in the Bible for thousands of years, and they stumble across it and go, yeah, so we own this, the intellectual property, and you're like, no, you just stumbled upon a truth. If it's true, it's true. And it means that it's usually in the Word of God, and other people realize it too. It's just truth. So on medium.com, they have information about it, and they call it the same thing, the fear of man. It says, if you've got the fear of man, you'd experience super high energy levels around some people and super low energy levels around other people. Brackets from Stu. People are dictating your energy level. You avoid certain people and give excuses for why you're doing it. Brackets. People are dictating your movements. You try to... Make sure someone sees you doing something because you really want, you really crave their approval. Brackets. People are dictating your behavior, your actions. You spend loads of time wondering if you've offended people, going, Are you okay? Are we okay? Brackets. People are dictating your mood. You're at the mercy of everyone around you all the time. That's called the fear of man. And it's not just in the Bible, it's commonly known and acknowledged. 
maybe medium.com doesn't have a solution, but we do. And if you were living with the fear of man, you might do public things in order to get praise from other people. And if you didn't get praise, you would be crushed. And even if you got praised, it'd be like putting water in a bucket with holes in the bottom and it would never be enough and you'd, you'd soon crave more after you'd got heaps of praise from other people. But Jesus looked at people and said, I see you're doing your good works in front of everybody. You've already got your reward. Then he looked at other people and said, I see you're doing your good works in secret. Great is your reward in heaven. One more thing about a snare. It's usually hidden. I'm praying that, I was praying for you a week ago. I've been praying for you all this time that God would use my words to reveal to you if you're in this situation because usually people don't realize that they're trapped. God doesn't want to set you free to live independent because independence is not strength. He wants to set you free to live dependent on Him. Look to Him for approval. Look to Him for guidance about your purpose. Look to Him for reassurance about your progress. Look to Him for the whole lot. Proverbs 14, 27 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. So if you need to do a trade-in today and bring up your fear of man up the front here after the service and leave it at the altar and walk away with a renewed fear of the Lord in its place, I would really encourage you to come up here and do that. And we'll have a team of people to pray for you if that's you. And during the week, why don't you ponder and meditate on that verse in Hebrews 4 that talks about coming to God and expecting to receive mercy and grace every day every time maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus into your life you're not really a Christian you just came as a visitor you don't understand everything that I've been talking about it's actually quite an easy step to step over that line and say but I, but I do want to I do want to jump in I want to become a part of the family I want to accept Jesus and start fresh so if you want to do that, we're going to pray a prayer all together as one big group. You just pray it from your heart like you mean it, like you own it. And, and there'll be a transaction, the Bible says. You'll step over into a new kingdom, into a new family. Everything will change from today forward. So if that's you, why don't you join in with us? Let's all pray together, church. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Forgive my sins. Wash me clean. I want to live with you, not without you. I thank you that today I'm saved. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.